You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 15, recorded in October 2011. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, we are back today to talk about another lens to look through prevention of human trafficking with, and that is the lens of homelessness. And homelessness, unfortunately, is a major factor and a contributing factor in many cases, the start of the human trafficking chain that we've talked about many times before. Homelessness is a contributing factor. It's a precursor. It is part of um, the pool of, of easily accessible victims that traffickers have to draw from. So before we jump in and talk about uh, homelessness and the and the the how homelessness becomes a factor in human trafficking. Sandy, uh, a couple of things for our audience to know about here up front is as we're talking about this topic today, you uh, inevitably will have some questions for us, and we have a number of questions from the audience uh, that we'll address here in our show today on uh, from from your past feedback. But if you have questions for us, you should uh, hop on the email. And send us an email to gcwj at vanguard.edu. And that goes directly to Sandy's office at the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University. And of course, you're welcome to call in with a question too. And Sandy, folks can reach uh, you by phone at 714-556-3610, extension 2242. Leave us a voicemail and we'll get back to you. And there's also a couple of things coming up that the center is involved with, Sandy, that we should let folks know about. One of them is there's a WebEx online now on community engagement. Could you share just a little bit more about that? We were asked to do a a national WebEx training on the best practices for community engagement by the Health and Human Services Anti-Human Trafficking Office in Washington. Oh, cool. And that WebEx is now available online. You can go and listen and watch the PowerPoint and get some tips. And that's on our website at gcwj.vanguard.edu. You can find the Global Center for Women and Justice page there. And the other thing that you'll find when you go to that website is information on the upcoming Solidarity Sleepout. And that's actually coming up here in Southern California on November 18th and 19th. And Sandy, you're involved in this in a big way, aren't you? Oh, you you better believe it. I am going to sleep outside with All all of our Vanguard students who are working very hard to raise awareness for the issue of homeless youth. And so we're going to start at 7 p.m. We'll have a program to draw more attention to this problem. And then we are going to stay outside and not go home and sleep in our own comfortable beds. And the hope from this event, Sandy, is that this would raise awareness to folks of, of what it's like to be in that in that position in life where you, you don't have a place to call home. And, and to understand how many young people are in this situation and that there are things that we can do to change that. 
And uh, this is also um, a fundraising opportunity Mm. uh, so that we can provide more resources to homeless youth in our own county. And if you are interested in supporting Sandy, there's actually a way you can do that because she's going to be taking her time to go out and to sleep out. And uh, the funds for the Sandy, do they go to the center? Or? They go to the Live to Free team that is um, has a uh, homeless youth project oh, where great, they're going great. to provide backpacks with um, sweats and personal hygiene items for um, juvenile victims of homelessness. And regular listeners of this podcast will remember that uh, we've had Live to Free Uh, students here on the podcast in the past. And so it's a wonderful organization to support and they're doing tremendous things in the community to support all of our friends in our community so we can do a lot to support them. And so if you would like to support Sandy on her sleep out on November 18th and 19th, one is you could uh, go online on our Global Center website and sign up to join us yourself in person if you'd like. Or if you're not local, you could actually visit the website for the event, and that's at solidaritysleepout.org. So again, solidaritysleepout.org. And if you search for Sandy's name, you will see her listed, and you could actually make a donation to fund her. And so Sandy's last name again is Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N. So I just went online here and searched for her and might be funding you as well, Sandy. Oh, so. that would be great, Dave. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about sleeping outside under the stars on a piece of cardboard. And I've been promised that someone is going to go around and collect day-old pastry so we'll have breakfast in the morning. Isn't and that exciting? It's It's exciting that we're doing things to educate ourselves and to, under, and to build our perspective on what it's like to be in that situation. And then at the same time, it's it's equally sad and disheartening that there are so many people in that situation and even even more unfortunate sandy is that folks who are homeless often that is the path that is the beginning of a path that can lead to them getting into something like human trafficking exactly and that's really what we want to talk about today the link between homelessness and commercial sexual exploitation particularly but also labor exploitation and when we go back to human trafficking 101 we know that it's through force fraud or coercion that someone is used recruited transported in order to provide forced labor or commercial sex acts and so we find both kinds of trafficking among homeless youth and homeless people because of their vulnerable circumstances And it's probably a pretty shocking thing for you, Dave, being a resident of California, to learn that according to the February 2011 California California Homeless Report, we have 200,000 homeless youth between 12 and 17 in California. It's just an incredible statistic to get one's mind around. And it is really hard to imagine that there's that many homeless here. It, it, it's just uh, it's just a really sad statistic. And the, the statistics on the Solidary Sleepout website come from the National Clearinghouse on Families and Youth, which is a website that is um, sponsored and supported by the Administration on Children and Family in Health and Human Services in Washington. And their statistics are pretty shocking. Every day, approximately 1.3 million Runaway, throwaway, and homeless youth live on the streets of America. Every day, children, both boys and girls, are solicited for sex 
according to this website, within 72 hours of being on the street. And according to this um, report, 55% of street girls engage in some form of commercial sexual exploitation. 75% work for a pimp and one in five becomes entangled in some sort of organized crime network that is forced to travel far from home and the area where they initially became involved in this. According to um, another report from the Covenant House that has been uh, the leader on organizing this sleep out, 57% of homeless kids spend at least one day every month without food. Mm. They're hungry. And in the United States, the statistics are, are very difficult to um, ascertain how many kids are being used in commercial sex or as many people call it forced prostitution. But we want to use um, language that identifies their experience of being exploited. So we want to talk about commercial sexual exploitation. Someone else is selling our kids to make money. Sandy, I think many people, as, as, as sad as the statistics are around homelessness, people wouldn't be surprised to hear that there are homeless people in, in California mm-hmm. or in any other state. And, and, and certainly this is a problem that's not unique to the U.S. either. This is a problem around the world. And, of course, the listeners of this podcast wouldn't be surprised to hear that human trafficking is present just about anywhere, anywhere in the world in some form. What I do think that people may not be aware of, and I had not thought about this until we were talking about the topic today, Sandy, that you had brought in, is how the two link together. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's something that would be clear to a lot of us, and I, and I know it wasn't clear to me. So how does, the, how does homelessness lead to human trafficking or vice versa, and how, how, does, how do those fit together? Well, when you look at this statistic, 57% of these kids don't have any food for at least one day a month. And they live hand to mouth every day. So it's about survival on the street. Right. Then when someone offers them an opportunity to make some money, and these are kids who don't have the capacity to get to a job, they don't have a car, they don't have um, a place uh, from which to get cleaned up and dress and a mom that's doing their laundry for them. So, so they, they can't even take like that, that flipping burgers job. How are they going to get there? How are they going to be presentable? So when they get offered a job, for instance, um, selling magazine subscriptions door to door, this is a very common practice for recruiting um, homeless youth. And they're in a van and they go from neighborhood to neighborhood. And when they become noncompliant, they, they're abandoned far from any resources that they might have had mm. in, their, in their hometown. Um, so traffickers take advantage of that vulnerability, offer them a job that may sound at least a little bit attractive, offer them a roof over their head, offer them a place to sleep. Do you remember the, the story of the 14-year-old who was sleeping on a park bench? I sure do. And um, was succumbed to a trafficker who groomed her and seasoned her before he began to sell her for commercial sex. Um, and that was his business, and he did this regularly. And he targeted um, lonely parks at night, bus stations, and the blocks around low-income schools. That's where he recruited. So if, if we're interested in preventing 
this from happening in the first place, which of course we are, Sandy. How does um, you know? How does the the you know the the forgive me for using this word, Sandy, but you know we have to because it's a, you know unfortunately the traffickers look at this as a business, but the pipeline, the pipeline mm-hmm. of people coming into who start off as a homeless person and then you know unfortunately are a victim of opportunity. That is them. a great question because how do we for stop the that in the first listening place? to this podcast? I hope by now you are a firm believer in the um, prevention of human trafficking. So if we understand how these kids end up on the street, if we can begin to take actions that may not look like we're fighting human trafficking, but we will really be doing frontline work. So the question, how did these kids get there? Um, there's a, a, a different research projects. One particular study that was done among uh, kids who were sleeping in the Covenant House Institute um, revealed that 41% of these kids had witnessed acts of violence in their homes and they were running away to escape that. 38% indicated someone in their family used drugs regularly and we already know that if there is a family member abusing substances, that puts a child's risk at risk for being exploited. 19% of these kids had been beaten with an object. 19% of the kids in this study had endured sexual abuse. And 15% had been present when someone close to them was murdered. Mm. Incredible. In in, um, in more of our, our statistics from um, the Administration of Children and Family, 25% of foster children become homeless within two to four years of leaving the system. And in another, another study, um, 50% of adolescents that age out of foster care or juvenile justice systems are homeless within six months because they're unprepared to live independently and have limited education and no social support. Did you know, Dave, that we have preschools for homeless children? Really? It, no, it, I didn't know that. It's like, can you imagine a three or four or five-year-old um, homeless that goes to preschool? Huh. Why are three, four, and five-year-olds homeless? And many of the youth that are homeless are homeless because they were um, rejected by a parent or guardian because of pregnancy. And now they are alone on the streets and they have a new baby. They have a child that they're also trying to feed. So if, if 57% of these kids are hungry one day, how many of those are kids who have kids of their own? Hmm. Yeah, Sandy, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing and, and sometimes a challenge being involved in, in hosting this podcast with you because, the blessing is, is I certainly, and I believe our audience feels a lot more educated every time we have a conversation. At the same time, it's a, it's a challenge because it really does force us to open our eyes to what's going on around us, and also these very unfortunate situations that our, uh, you know, our community neighbors are in that are leading to to things like trafficking. We drive by it every day, or sometimes we actually walk by this issue. And we certainly, we all have at one point or another, we have seen, you know, seen this. How do we do something that's more meaningful than than buying um, a meal, but something more long-term? And I think it would help us to begin to identify where we can 
plug in as a professional in our community, as a member of the of a, of a church or a local nonprofit. It's exactly what I was just going to ask: is how can how can we help? Really? Here's here's something that you know. Our whole idea is study the issues so you can be a voice and make a difference. And if you don't study first, you might say the wrong thing. And if you don't study, you don't know what to do. So what I wanted to find out is how um, how we break down the homeless youth population. And I was able to determine through the California Homeless Youth Project, which is housed under the California Research Bureau, that we have four distinct homeless youth populations. We have runaway minors, and they've left home for one or more nights without permission. Now, in the juvenile justice system, we are beginning to understand that a child who has been a runaway at least three to four times is much more likely to become a victim of commercial sexual exploitation, human trafficking. The second group are expelled youth. These are youth who've been told to leave home. Uh, The caretaker in that environment can no longer tolerate whatever the issues are, and so they are abandoned, deserted, or even prevented from returning home. A third group are systems youth, and these are kids who have aged out of foster care or been released from juvenile justice. They may even have become emancipated minors, and they have nowhere to go. Now, there are two two distinct age groups of um, homeless youth. One is the group ages 12 to 17. These are those those runaway minors, but the ages 18 to 24 are still considered part of our homeless youth issue because they have often been in a system that has not adequately equipped them for um, independent living. And then the fourth group of homeless are, which is um, a long-term homeless, are street youth. Those are the kids who spend a significant amount of their time in areas that increase their risk for sexual abuse, exploitation, and drug abuse. And they are generally not connected with any services and are homeless upwards from two years. Wow, incredible. So what can we begin to do? Well, one of the things that we need to begin to do is connect the dots when um, when you're involved in education, find out who your um, school homeless liaison is. And the first time I found out that there was someone with that job title, I had to go and look and see if if they were just teasing me or something because the idea of a homeless student just didn't compute. But every every school district in California has a homeless student liaison. Really. And this is because students have a right to education. Sure, of course. And so we want to help homeless students finish their education. And how can we do that? Well, we have to have someone who is managing um, staying in connection with them. But how do you stay in connection with someone that doesn't have an address? Yeah, how that's, do you that's how do you help do. someone without the kind of resources that they need? Probably one of the um, one of the myths out there is that we do have a system and it it provides for all of these kids. But the fact is that it doesn't, and many of these kids fall between the cracks. The foster system is um, 
right now, if you if you read the literature, you get out there on on Google and and check this out. You'll find out that there are, there's a movement to really step up how we do foster care and create a much stronger model. And there's special training for foster parents who will take victims of human trafficking, who will take victims who have been sexually abused, to take victims that are really among the most vulnerable of our homeless population. And this is an important aspect in in curbing this exploitation of our kids. Another area that... Um, I'm very excited in our next podcast, but um, we're because we're going to have an expert come and talk to us about the relationship between street gangs and trafficking. But you can already imagine how gangs can take advantage of homeless youth who have nowhere to turn and are looking for um, that sense of having a family. Now, when we talk about um, how homeless youth become victims, Um, There are several different ways that happens. Sometimes it happens just because um, the the trafficker, usually a pimp, usually male, is looking for girls to add to his own business model. Usually um, he has two or three girls. And when he does that, he usually uses kind of the Romeo pattern where he's going to make her feel like she's his girlfriend and he's going to take care of her. And as he grooms her and seasons her, eventually she becomes very, very profitable to him. And when she is used up and sick, then he abandons her and she is now homeless and broken. And for us to um, look at education as a way of dealing with it is one avenue. But another area where you're going to see these victims is in our community health care programs. These kids present, homeless kids present with lots of, um, of respiratory illnesses in the winter and lots of STDs, um, sexually transmitted diseases. And in fact, um, when I was speaking to one Southern California pediatrician, They're alarmed at the increase in HIV AIDS among this population between 12 and 17 and attribute it largely to the homeless youth population issue. Just today, uh, so many different difficult aspects to have to address this issue by Sandy. And, uh, And for those, in addition to some of the things you've mentioned that might be some bigger actions they could take. What, what if anything, are there are some smaller things or just, you know, everyday type things we could do or keep in mind around uh, taking the first step to help prevent homelessness? Well, I think learning what kinds of resources are available to homeless youth in your area mm. and having that information with you so you can give it to a, a young person if you happen to see them when you're passing them. And you can get that information from uh, your county offices for child welfare. And then some people do want to be more hands-on. They want to be more involved. And there are some good practices if you want to be more involved in actually making contact with students. And you know that um, my first stop is to check in with your local police and find out what the protocols are. Build relationships with them. Find out what kind of, of training they offer in um, outreach to youth who are involved in sexual exploitation. More and more, there are task forces and community coalitions to address this. 
Find out what kinds of services are available and what are the gaps. There are a lot of groups that are starting um, human trafficking works and they want to have a shelter for human trafficking victims. What if they diverted some of that um, resource to housing for um, emancipated minors or recently um, aged out foster kids so that they had a place to go for transitional living? And that has the potential to stop the trafficking before it even happens. So getting back to that prevention uh, Prevention. conversation we've had a lot, Sandy. So gosh, you know, so many important things for us to consider and and look at around this, uh, you know, big ways and small ways that people can potentially help in order to really reach out to this population. And, you know, speaking of which, uh, speaking of some of these tools and resources, we've actually had a couple of people who have, uh, called in and or emailed us with questions on right. some of the uh, some of the topics we've talked about in the past. So uh, since we just have a few minutes left here, Sandy, I'm going to uh, jump in here and we have a, uh, first of all, a voicemail. And I know this is a question that has come to you often. It's something that's received a, a lot of play in the media. And it's something that people have strong feelings about. And I know you have some thoughts on it, too. So let me go ahead and play the question first, and then we'll uh, we'll have you address it, Sandy. Hello, Sandy. This is Foray Baskin. Um, I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning, and I just want to thank you and Dave for, you know, doing this. It's uh, very educational and uh, instructive and very helpful. Um, Although I have a question about uh, legalizing uh, commercial uh, sex exploitation of uh, women, um, I've, you know, I've been uh, reading a lot about it, and this is also something that I introduced in my class. It seems that in some culture, um, it's it's seen as um, not as a bad thing, but also not as positive as. I mean, it's not positive, but it's not also not bad. For instance, as in India, um, the the culture doesn't. Um, so my question is actually: So, is it uh, who decides the legalization and uh, of you know uh, activities like those? And um, um, should we also take into account the the cultural background of that you know country or uh, region uh, and the way they look at these type of activities? Thank you very much, and um, again, thank you for for doing you know what what you're doing. Thank you. Bye. Well, thank you, first of all, so much for the question and for calling in, because this is an important question for us to address, Sandy. And legalizing prostitution um, is definitely a question that comes up frequently. It's something that's debated. And the fact that you brought in the cultural aspect um, gives me the opportunity to give you an example in this brief moment that we have to respond to this question. Um, that is outside of the United States and in um, in the Netherlands where prostitution is legal and there is a district um, that people know about. Uh, it's very famous in Amsterdam. Um, we've watched as the process uh, freed up um, the opportunity for people to, to run their businesses without government interference. And what they saw happen was increases in exploitation, increases in human trafficking, increases in other kinds of crime as well, to the point that last year the mayor began to take back 
for the city some of that district. And there, it, it's a marvelous example of where people thought this would create freedom, and it actually created captivity and really poor um, living circumstances for many, many people. Um, I think what it would be a great idea, Dave, as a result of this question is let's schedule a podcast and have some experts on this um, on the on a podcast on the issue of legalizing prostitution. Yeah, I think it's a, this is a big question and something we should address in even more detail. And it's it's really interesting hearing about the the situation in the Netherlands. And I uh, in I forget who said it, Sandy, but uh, over the years of, of working with you, I remember uh, someone had uh, said to us that uh, it, nobody wants to have a child that grows up and uh, goes into prostitution. That it, that That is not a goal that any woman, man, parent, child has for themselves. And so it, it's just a, you know, it, it's just a whatever culture you're in. <laughs> and so I think that that's something really important to keep in mind with this, with this as well, too. Absolutely. We have one more question, and we received an email from Louisa. And Louisa says, uh, hello, I've been listening to the podcast about human trafficking, and I thought I'd email you to ask if there are any opportunities in Orange County to volunteer or a center that I can help out at. I have a bachelor's in psychology and would like to maybe volunteer counseling or working with traffic victims. Any information? Thank you. Well, first of all, uh, Louisa, thank you so much for the question and for writing us. And Sandy, I was wondering, uh, for those who are uh, listening outside the local area, uh, Orange County is Orange County, California, here in Southern California. So um, in addition to responding to her question just about local ways to get involved, um, also, what might someone do who's uh, listening in Charlotte or New York City or in Germany or Korea? What what may they what might they want to do as well if they're looking okay. for local information? Well, we'll start with Orange County. Here in Orange County, we do have a human trafficking task force, and the website is ochumantrafficking.org. Ochumantrafficking.org. And we'll put a link on our website for that as well. Absolutely. And when you go on that website, there is a calendar, and the I believe it's the third Tuesday of every month, there is a volunteer training meeting. People who would like to do hands-on volunteering here in Orange County need to go to those meetings, go through the volunteer training, and depending on what kinds of activities you're involved in, that will entail background checks and um, additional training. We always need translators. We need people to help with wrapping Christmas presents for our victims and their families. Lots of things that are opportunities to work on this here in Orange County. At a national level, the easiest way to find out who's doing what close to you is to call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center. That number is 888-3737-888. And that number can be used to call in a tip a victim can call that number and ask for help, but you can also call and find out who in my area is doing something. Where can I go to get plugged in with someone who's following um, protocols and is involved working in partnership with our law enforcement and social services? And from an international perspective, one of the best places to go is on the United Nations website, and they have a uh, link completely devoted to human trafficking and organizations that are working in different parts of the world. 
So Louisa, I hope that gets you started. And uh, just as importantly, hope those of you who are thinking about the same thing out there, reach out to one of those resources in order to learn how you might be able to get involved in fighting human trafficking and helping end human trafficking, just like we are. And uh, Sandy, before we go, we should mention that the conference that the Global Center for Women and Justice uh, that's hosting coming up here in the spring is going to be held at Vanguard University here in Costa Mesa, California, which, by the way, is going to be on March 2nd and 3rd and is a time of the year that the rest of the world is pretty cold. And yet here in Costa Mesa, California, it is going to be nice and warm. We're just a few miles from the beach. And Southern California is not a great, not a bad place to be at the beginning of March. But that's only one reason you should show up. The real reason, Sandy, is, of course, the conference itself. Yes. And this conference is going to be, every year they get better. But um, I really hope that you plan to be here because we want to address the issue of of homelessness of youth that are being exploited for commercial sexual sex and um, other issues related to the um, community response to our own women and children who are victims of human trafficking in our own backyard so if you'd like to learn more about the conference you should uh, visit our website at gcwj at vanguard edu actually that's gcwj.vanguard.edu however if you want to send us a question that we can help out with uh, you can email that to gcwj at vanguard.edu or of course you can call and leave a message for us just like uh, just like our caller did and Sandy that number again 714-556-3610 extension 2240 hey that's going to do it for our time today we're so glad to have you join us and in two weeks we'll be having Dr. Laura Letter from Global Centurion join us for the next edition of Ending Human Trafficking Sandy thanks for your time thank you 